Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, the most listened to internet radio show in the nonprofit sector, dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. Guests on the Nonprofit Coach are leaders in their field who share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Click on Radio. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to the latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, here in the United States. This is tax day, so I hope that uh, you've all uh, gotten that out of the way and can enjoy your lunchtime with us here on the East Coast. I am coming to you live from the international headquarters of the Charities Aid Foundation of America, an international intermediary helping uh, in individuals, corporations, and foundations with their international grant making. Uh, we've got a very big show for you uh, today. As the announcer said, you can call in when we get to our page two expert, uh, and that number is 347-324-3080. You can also join us over in the chat room. You can ask questions there. I see a few folks over in the chat room. Feel free to ask your questions there, or if you prefer, you can email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. You can follow along at tedhart.com, click on radio links, You'll not only find all the radio links from today, but the very best links in the nonprofit sector and all the archives of our prior shows. Uh, First up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, comes to us from Mobile Cause. Mobile Cause has a terrific new e-book available for you. It's called Mobile Fundraising Communication Case Studies. In this e-book, you will be able to uh, uh, read about fundraising communication case studies for events, peer-to-peer activities, messaging, uh, radio, and $10 donations. In each of those sections, they're going to give you very specific details on how you can use mobile technology to enhance both fundraising and your communication for your nonprofit organization, uh, depending on the kinds of activities that you are engaged in. Find that link over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Uh, next up here on the nonprofit coach uh, comes to us actually over from USA Today, where they've got a, a very nice short little video and article on some changes at Twitter. Uh, Twitter uh, users might have noticed a new look for their profiles, 
uh, if they're viewing from a web browser, the microblogging service. Uh, that is rolling out a new redesign, uh, and it does look remarkably much more like Facebook. Content is aligned underneath three columns. Uh, so check that out. The link is over at the radio links today at tedhart.com, uh, and learn how you can uh, do a better job with Twitter. Of course, Twitter being one of the six pillars of success for online nonprofit organizations that we talk about so often here on the nonprofit coach. And of course, those of you who are familiar with the six pillars of success for online nonprofit organizations, you know that number two, the most important thing that you can do online, be uh, right behind a well-designed website and mobile technology platform for your organization is GuideStar. And once a month, we have Lindsay Nichols here with us uh, from GuideStar to bring us up to date on what's happening over at GuideStar. And uh, today, Lindsay, uh, again, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much. So much. Good, to be here. Good to be here. And today we've received um, several questions, and so we wanted to ask you, and I know you've got several things you're going to cover today, but we wanted to ask you if you might start off with some content over at GuideStar, and we've provided a link in the radio links today on charting impact resources. What are they, and how might nonprofits use them? Absolutely. So Charting Impact is a part of the GuideStar Exchange, which you just mentioned, and we love that you always make that one of your tips. Thank you, Ted. Um, but essentially, the GuideStar Exchange is a free program where nonprofits can come to GuideStar, give us more information, and help tell their story. And as we were building this program, we realized there was a lot of impact information that was missing. And there are so there are many so different, many nonprofits. different nonprofits. nonprofits, it's hard, it's hard for us for all us to all talk to about talk our outcomes, outcomes, you know, in the same, same kind of way. Kind so of that's way. what Charting Impact, Impact is. is. We partnered, we partnered with, with BBB, Wise Giving Alliance, Alliance, and Independent, and independent sector, sector to create, to create five, five questions. questions. And the, and the answers to those questions, questions are, bundled are bundled into a report, a report called the Charting Impact, Impact Report. And it really and it helps really nonprofits think through what their what outcomes are, what, what their impact, impact is, how, how to really measure it, and, and to talk, to talk about, about it. it. Um, and there's, and there's you know, tons, tons of, guidance, of guidance, which I know you have in your radio links, um, um, super helpful super resources helpful that can help people think about the different questions, what they should think about as they're answering them, and the process for getting that approved within their own uh, organization. Uh, organization. Um, there's, um, a there's a lot of things to things think to about. Think you know, if you, you have, have a strategic plan, plan. That's your that's first your step first for building, for building uh, out the, uh, answers, the answers, answers to this. To this. But, there's but there's a lot of other things to think about. How do you engage your board? How you engage your leadership, etc. Et so, so thanks for including those resources. It's an important thing for nonprofits. And we do have a direct link to charting impact resources today in the radio links at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Uh, but I know that there's uh, other exciting things that are happening at GuideStar, so what else do you have for us today? Absolutely. Well, and well, while we're on the exchange, I'll actually mention that we've actually just partnered with BoardSource to give nonprofits an opportunity to share information about their board leadership practices. So again, the GuideStar Exchange is free. You can go in and fill out as much or as little as you want. But now there's a new section, and it really asks questions about board orientation and education, you know, ethics, CEO oversight, things like that, things that are really important to nonprofits. And now there's a space to tell your story about that. So I wanted to mention that um, at guidestar.org slash exchange is where you can get all that information. So um, it's an exciting new piece for us. Absolutely. Very exciting. 
Um, and two um, other and things two other really things quickly. quickly um, um, I'm going to be speaking at a conference called Weekend in Boca. It's a free conference for nonprofits. It's on May 2nd and 3rd in Boca Raton, Florida. And the whole focus is really to help nonprofits tell their stories better, you know, through performance, impact, and inspiring stories. So I encourage people to register if they're in the area. It's officedepofoundation.org slash weekend in Boca. And if you are going to go, I'd love to see you. Um, I'll be live tweeting from there if not. And so if you follow Guys Stars Twitter, we'll definitely be talking about it. And then and very then last, very we, are we are having our next, having our impact, next impact call on May 12th. If you go to npo.gs slash impact page, you can register. And that's really our opportunity to tell the world about GuideStars, our own first quarter results, our financial, programmatic, and kind of um, product and program results. So it's an exciting new development for us to be able to tell results quickly. And I'm hoping that um, your audience can attend. That's great. And you actually started that uh, series last quarter, is that right? That's right. That's so right. our so very first very one was in February. February. That, that we focused, focused on the year end, and we were really, we were proud, really proud to do that you know, within, you know, within 60 days, days of the year, of the year end. end. And this and one will focus on the first quarter. quarter. And we're going, going to have, have you know, four, four this year, so we'll have so two we'll more. Have um, and our goal is really to evolve the definition of transparency. So it's not just waiting for the 990 to come online, but to really give meaningful results in a timely manner and to be inclusive. So anyone, so anyone can attend, can it's free, free and it's and an it's opportunity, opportunity to ask us, us tough questions. Tough and we got we tough got questions tough last time, and we did and we answer did them. Answer so, them. So, so we were really excited really about excited how it about went, how and we can't, we can't wait for the next one. Well, I, I, I love the way that uh, GuideStar continuously looks for uh, ways to walk the talk. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that's really uh, uh, exciting to see that as a new model uh, that, uh, that GuideStar is using. Uh, Lindsay, we can't thank you enough and the folks at GuideStar for always bringing us very important updates each month. We look forward to chatting with you again uh, next month here on the Nonprofit Coach. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Take care. That's uh, Lindsay Nichols from GuideStar. We're back here on Page One News. Uh, back here on Page One News comes to us from Digital Information World, and what they're providing to you is how to succeed, how to create the perfect social media posts. Uh, and they're outlining for you if you are posting on blog, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, does anybody use Google+, uh, LinkedIn, and Tumblr. So uh, they're literally giving you screenshots on where you should be putting your information, um, how you can optimize um, your social media posts, and they also, when you scroll all the way down to the bottom, of course, the link is available over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. They also give you the best time for uh, posting in each of these services and the worst time to be posting uh, in these services. So for instance, if you're posting over on LinkedIn, LinkedIn being the third most important in the six pillars of success for nonprofit organizations, they suggest the optimum time for posting on LinkedIn is 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. or 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And the worst time for you to be posting on LinkedIn is 10 p.m. Uh, to 6 a.m. So uh, read all about this. Uh, very clever, laid out, infographic style. Uh, very easy to follow. And that's available over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. You'll also find uh, over in the radio links today a new partnership, and we're welcoming Charity Channel Press 
as a partner here on the Nonprofit Coach. They have uh, their terrific new series of books called the In the Trenches series, uh, where just like uh, with the Nonprofit Coach, they are bringing you the very best in thought leaders, uh, making information accessible uh, to nonprofit organizations on a whole host of topics uh, available. And so you'll find that link over in the radio links today where you can find all the books and learn more about Charity Channel Press. That's at tedhart.com uh, today. Uh, and with, um, with that, it is time for us to welcome our page two expert. Brian Saber joins me here as our Page 2 expert. He is a fundraising consultant, trainer, presenter, and author, and is also serving as president of Asking Matters, which is an online membership-based company that teaches staff and volunteers how to ask for money and motivates them to get out the ask. Asking Matters grows out of his experience raising hundreds of millions of dollars over 25 years by personally soliciting thousands of donors and coming to understand the art of the ask in a way that few people do. Because of his remarkable experience in asking, Brian has been able to break down the process of asking to fundamental components, making simple what seems to be very daunting for many. Brian has worked across the nonprofit sector, raising money for his alma mater, Brandeis University, Northwestern University, um, and a whole host of other organizations. Uh, and he w- and I welcome him here today as my guest on the Nonprofit Coach, Brian Saber. Hi, Ted. How are you? How are you? Brian, it's great to have you um, with us today. And of course, you've got a very intriguing uh, topic. Uh, for us today, and uh, before we get into all the details of why shy people can be great fundraisers, um, let's start off, if you if you would, by sort of let's take a step back to what is asking matters. And many of my listeners may remember uh, that we had Andrea Kilstead here on uh, the show. She did a fantastic job talking about all four uh, different types of uh, uh, asking styles. And I know you're going to be focusing on one of those today, but bring us up to date on what is the concept here and sort of the, the landscape, and then lead us into the specific topic that you have for us today. Sure, sure. 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 Well, Andrea, well, Andrea and, and I, I uh, uh, had, worked had worked together, together over a number, over of, years number of years when I was, I was a fundraiser for a settlement for house in New York, York Hudson Guild, and she was a capital campaign, campaign consultant for us. For us. And we, in the late 2000s, decided we wanted to do something together to help the field. And Andrea had this idea percolating of the fact that there are different ways to ask. There is not one way. And and a lot of what we're taught is this is how you do it. There is there's one pattern. There's one trajectory. So So we took took our idea idea of asking styles styles and we developed developed it into this company, Asking Matters. matters. So So we've got this assessment, assessment, 30 30 questions questions that give you you a a primary primary and a secondary secondary asking style based on on how you think think and how you interact with others. Now let me just jump in there for a second, Brian. Uh, Just to let folks know that we do have a link uh, to Asking Matters over at Ted Hart. 
www.ghostdirectmarketing.com in the radio links. Uh, and when they get to that page, I believe you're directing us to find your asking style. So once we get there, what's going to happen? Once you get there, uh, you will you click, click, click through 30 questions. 30 questions. They're all false. It takes about three minutes. When you complete the assessment, online you will get a result that gives you a primary and a secondary style and tells you a little bit about what it means to be that style, the primary style in particular, and how to fundraise in it. Now, are the, the styles are uh, Rainmaker, Go-Getter, Mission Controller, Kindred Spirit, and then are the secondaries Analytics, Extrovert, Intuitive, uh, Introvert, or do I have those backwards? The primary style would be one of the four that you first mentioned, and then the secondary would be another. And what the secondary shows you is whether your level of extroversion, introversion, or your level of analytic versus intuitive thinking predominates. Oh, okay, so you're, you're along that axis somewhere. That's right. That's right. That's right. So... Two of the two styles of the are more extroverted, extroverted, the Rainmaker and Go-Getter styles, and two of them, the two of them we're talking about today, are Kindred Spirit and Mission Controller. Those are the more introverted styles. And the Kindred Spirit, and I'm a classic Kindred Spirit, also in many cases is a shy person, not only introverted but shy. So there is, and those are two different related personality traits. What? What I find fascinating about the discussion that we're going to have today is, and, and, and uh, you know, please sort of follow my logic here, because as, as Americans, or maybe it's just as a New Yorker, um, you know, we're, we're always sort of you know, taught that you know, it's better to be a go-getter, it's better to be a rainmaker, it's better to be of those kind of very outgoing personalities, because I, I think that's sort of the, you know, the way Americans typically see themselves. But there are other styles that can be very successful um, that ne- don't necessarily get that kind of notoriety or pushing them forward, because their very nature is not to be pushed forward. So I think to, to give them their due today, to give people like you who are kindred spirits who see the value in that and to help those of us who might be more on the Rainmaker go-getter side to be able to see that there's a balance. And I'm, I'm very curious from your perspective uh, to both learn about the introverted um, styles but also how do they work together with other people who may not be introverted in the asking process. Great. Well, you've, I'm sure you're aware of Susan Cain's book, Quiet, which has really made a splash in the field. It's about the power of the introvert and how we're living in a society that really values extroversion more than it has in a, in, in a number of generations. And the question is, where is the introvert there? And the fact that Introverts do have great power in a world of extroverts, but to your point a minute ago, we don't necessarily notice it. Because of the very nature of who they are. That's right. So walk us through um, these two styles, uh, mission controller and kindred spirit. Um, Define those, and and why are they distinctly different? Sure. Sure. the, the, the primary difference between a mission controller and a kindred spirit is in the thought process. 
The mission controller is analytic, and the kindred spirit is intuitive. They're both imperfect. So the mission controller is all about facts, systems, plans, being methodical, and nodding the eyes and crossing the teeth. Because, because analytics take data, and from data come up with an idea. Right. That's, 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 that's the, the definition, definition of an analytic. analytic. Someone who looks at all, all the facts and then, and then figures, out figures out the answer. The, answer. the kindred the spirit, spirit is an intuitive, intuitive. and, and intuitives, intuitives have an idea, have an they idea, have a they gut, have gut, and then, then they, they see if the facts support those, support those ideas. ideas. Right? They are more emotional, they are more... Uh, feelings-oriented, conflict-diverse, because they're feelings-oriented. They're sensitive, and, and as I say, they, they go with their gut. So the primary difference is how they go through the thought process. Because kindred spirits, as intuitives, go with their gut and are much more in touch with their feelings, in interacting with people, that creates a second level of challenge for them in fundraising. So the mission controller often, his or her primary challenge is that without all the facts, the mission controller doesn't always want to act. And because people can get bogged down in data, right? Or, or oftentimes right. Right. data, data right. can be, um, or the lack of data or perceived lack of data uh, can be a crutch to not take action. That's right. That's right. I often I hear mission hear controllers say, I don't have enough information. They may they not they have, may enough have enough information, information about, about the, the prospect. prospect. They, they may feel they're not conversant enough about the organization. In particular, particular, when we're talking about volunteers, volunteers, board members, or others, others, uh, they uh, may be very uncomfortable with the fact that they don't don't know exactly exactly how much to ask for. for. This is not a science. science. It's not even an art art how much to ask for. for. And sometimes sometimes it can can be a bit random random until you get to know your donor. And that is challenging for a mission controller who likes to have it all lined up. We often often say, though, that mission controllers controllers are wonderful wonderful in certain circumstances, in particular with institutional donors. donors. We often are talking about about individuals because because more than 80% 80 of all gifts come from individuals. individuals. And people seem to have the hardest time asking individuals. But mission controllers are wonderful with corporations, foundations, government funders, not only in the proposal, piece, which makes sense, because they're great at reading the guidelines, following the guidelines, being very methodical about the entire application process. Right, mission control is never going to miss an appendix. Correct. They're going to make sure that they follow the rules. Right. Even when they meet with institutional funders, it's better because mission controllers love a script. And the institutional institutional funders funders are more likely likely to follow follow a script. script. When you meet with an individual, individual, you don't don't really know know in which direction that conversation is going to go. go. It can go many directions. directions. 
but, but the, the meetings with institutional funders tend to be more direct. You've got an application. The funder has a set of guidelines. They have certain questions they're going to ask. And it, it ends up being a more comfortable environment for a mission controller for that reason. That doesn't mean mission controllers can always get away without asking individuals, especially if you are a director of development for a nonprofit. And that's where you have to know your style and work with your strengths and, and address your challenges. But often we're talking about board members and how to engage board members. And I often say, well, send board members out on your institutional ask if they're mission controllers. But we've got the, these two introverted um, styles, uh, but and, and certainly they have their strengths uh, versus uh, individuals versus institutional givers. But but does inherent shyness get in the way of those benefits? The, there, there are a number of different nuances here. One of the we have this issue of um, the fact the that fact introverts, introverts think to talk, to talk and, and extroverts, extroverts tend to talk to, to, talk to think. So, so introverts, introverts generally are a little reticent around groups, groups don't like don't parties, parties as much. As much. For, For the kindred the spirit. spirit this is um, this is elevated because uh, there's this issue of conflict averse, not knowing what to say, fear of rejection. It gets confounded in a group. So where a shy person can shine often is in the one-on-one. It might seem paradoxical, but actually that is the perfect place for a shy person. It tends to be less challenging than being in a group. So shy fundraisers actually are better suited to one-on-one fundraising than they are to some of the other forms of fundraising, especially special events. So I know you're, I know you're getting at this question of, of an extremely shy person. Like, there's a whole, There's a whole spectrum, spectrum here, and that's something, and that's to, something keep to keep in mind. mind. So minor amounts of shyness aren't necessarily going to get in the way. Right, or right. a medium or amount, amount, I would say. I, mean, I, I would say I have a medium amount of shyness. Okay. And, and, and I am. I, I, I might have, I might a, bit have a bit of discomfort in that situation, but I can I get past it by doing a number of things. And this is part of what we... We stress that asking matters. So for here, here's a perfect example. I always have found it difficult to meet people. That first moment. It's one of the things that keeps me from going to parties. But even in a situation where I've been the executive director of an organization, and I'm going to see... Possibly, Possibly a current owner whom I just, just hadn't met, had met yet. So someone so who's already shown interest, interest in the organization, organization that first that introduction is difficult, difficult for me. It always, it always has, been. has been. So, so one, one, I've learned, I've learned to, to write, out write out some questions, questions 
to ask at the top and during the meeting, and I try to have those on my lap. So I have something to refer to if I ever find I'm at a loss for words. So preparing the script yourself. Preparing the script yourself. Right, right. So I do script myself in that way. I'm not like a mission controller in terms of all the facts and figures, but some... Uh, conversational, conversational questions, questions that, I, that can I can ask along the way. Along the way. Okay. Also, um, and we, we, might, we might talk about this more a bit later, I partner, I, I happen to think it's very powerful to go out on a solicitation with someone else. Well, I'm going to stop you right there, Brian, because that's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to actually ask you to delve into how do they work? How do kindred spirits, in particular, because that's where you're most familiar? How do you partner with others? How do you interact with others? Um, both the, the pluses and the minuses, and, and sort of the, the pitfalls um, that you want to help my listeners today uh, prepare for to make sure that they're establishing themselves for maximum success. And we'll be right back on the nonprofit coach with Brian Saber. Next week here on The Nonprofit Coach, Clint O'Brien will be back with us. He's moved over to Engaging Networks. He's going to be sharing with you uh, some really good tips on telling your story and building creative campaigns. That's April 22nd, 12 noon Eastern. Uh, after that, we're going to be on our spring break here on The Nonprofit Coach, which is a terrific time to catch up on hundreds of Nonprofit Coach podcasts, all available at tedhart.com. And we've provided you in the radio links today uh, a link to the top 10 shows of all time so that you can use that time to get caught up. Uh, we're going to now get a little bit of um, uh, background information on a service from Google that can help you stay organized. Life, life it's busy. busy. Wouldn't it be nice to have a central place where you could save what's on your mind? With Google Keep, you can stay on top of your world by quickly and easily organizing everything you want to remember. No matter where you are, Finalized door list for Thursday's gig. So when you find inspiration, you can file away your ideas. And Google Keep stores them safely across all your devices. And when the time comes, you'll have everything covered. Save what's on your mind. Google Keep. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on Radio Link. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And this is Ted Hart. I'm live here with Brian Saber. Uh, Brian is uh, with Asking Matters, and today our topic is um, how those who are shy or introverted uh, can not only be successful uh, in uh, nonprofit fundraising and asking for gifts, but potentially are a strong asset for organizations uh, who have these folks uh, on their team. So, uh, Brian, we're back, and before the, the break, I, I asked when you come back, 
if you could help us sort of sort out um, all these different personality traits and how they work together. In particular, um, we're, we're focused on the introverted folks who might be in, in your asking styles, be mission controllers or kindred spirits. Uh, they're going to come into uh, interaction with those who are not introverted, and how do they successfully maneuver those waters? Sorry, Brian, it would be helpful if I turned your microphone on. That was my fault. <laughs> Sorry about that, Brian. <laughs> You're back. Okay. okay. So one point I'd like to make before talking about this concept of pairing, going out as pairs, is that the greatest strength introverts bring is their ability to listen. And listening is actually at the heart of fundraising. It's not sales. Uh, interestingly, just on the plane this morning, I was, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I, I just came out to Chicago to do some solicitations, which we can talk about in a few minutes. I'm reading Daniel Pink's book, To Sell is Human. And he talks about the evolution of sales and what it really is. Because when people think sales, they think of this extroverted, social, garrulous person who sells you something. And, and when you think of the prototypical fundraiser, you think of that. You think of a rainmaker, according to our graph. Very few people are rainmakers, according to the asking styles. Most of the people who take our assessment don't fall in that quadrant. Most fundraisers are not. They're in there for a variety of reasons, but mostly because they have passion for a cause and want to help the world be better. So you don't have a lot of extroverts, and you definitely don't have a lot of rainmakers, but it doesn't matter because it's not about selling, selling, selling. It is about listening and learning who your donors are and what excites them about the organization, about the world, whatever. Your goal is to get to know them. So introverts have an extraordinary strength here because the challenge the with challenge extroverts, extroverts sometimes is they is do they talk, talk too much, much in a situation, in a situation like, this. like this. They need they to watch need out to, to make sure they don't monopolize, monopolize the, conversation the conversation and that they and give that they the give donor, donor room, room to, 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 to sell himself or herself. Or herself. So I want so to make, make sure everyone gets, gets that because that's one of the great paradoxes, if you will in terms of how people think about sales and fundraising and what the reality really is. Thinking in terms of the kindred spirits and the mission controllers that are out there listening uh, today, uh, they're looking at their counterparts who are the rainmakers and the go-getters and probably seeing a lot of those folks advancing their careers maybe faster than theirs um, because they get noticed. They make themselves get noticed. Um, how do mission controllers and kindred spirits um, sell themselves and sell the benefits that you're sharing that may not be as obvious or on the sleeve uh, for um, administrators and board members who are looking to hire? Well, you, the proof is really in the pudding. No question, extroverts are probably better at selling themselves in interviews, maybe, maybe, selling themselves to their bosses once they're hired in some way. But fundraising is about closing the deal. And over time, you either raise money or you don't, especially if you're in major gifts. 
let's say, or, or in some position where you are asking specific prospects for gifts, right? There's no hiding behind that. You're either out there meeting with people, and those meetings are resulting in gifts over time, or you're not. So I never had to tell anyone, I'm a great fundraiser, look at me, look at me. I was able to say, I closed X number of gifts. This gift was the largest gift for this reason. This was the capstone of a capital campaign. I, you know, I reached my goals here and there. At the end of the day, it is about numbers. Right. So, but there, but there are there are terrific um, go getters and rainmakers who also have good numbers, uh, and I'm wondering if uh, part of how kindred spirits and mission controllers, and, and again, in your asking styles, um, if part of this is being self aware and understanding that you do have a different style and that you bring different um, skills to the table, and that that's that's the first step in understanding how you tell your own story um, because it might not be as obvious of a story as a rainmaker or a go-getter who's also raising money because it's not that they can't raise money. They raise money in a different way, but they're raising money, but but their story maybe jumps ahead of yours or maybe because of who they are, they're they're drawing more attention to themselves. So part of the secret here, and I'm asking this question, is – uh, being self-aware and understanding that there are different styles and that just because your style is different doesn't mean that it's, it's potentially less valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the asking, asking styles have had a profound, had a profound effect, effect on my, on my own, own life. life. I have now I been have fundraising, fundraising for just, just about 30, 30 years, years, if you if include you my include time my as a as student bonus honor in college. college. And until... And we developed develop asking matters, matters and, and, and these asking, asking styles. styles. I never, never felt, felt as good as, as good I should I have, have about my about fundraising, fundraising record. record. It's almost empowering I knew there to was, understand, it was to almost sort of self-analyze yourself and to understand that there there is value in all four of these, but understanding yourself is as important to the process as as getting out there and asking for the money itself. Absolutely. It's a parallel to our lives. One of our, one of our goals, goals is to, to appreciate, appreciate ourselves, ourselves for who we are, who we are. And, not and not worry about, worry about what, we're not. what we're not. And this, and is, this is very true in fundraising and, 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 and has been has huge, been for, huge me. for me. Personally. So being able to label it, being able to, to, to say very proudly, you know, I'm, I'm a kindred spirit on this scale, this is why the people that are like me are valuable, allows you to tell that story in a way that we might all naturally, because of the you know, pre-interest in business, in uh, go-getters and rainmakers, and those are the folks that just by saying that, you don't even have to describe how they're doing their, 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 right. their fundraising or, or, you know, I mean, certainly there's nuances that we, we could explore, and we did when Andrea was on the show. Um, but for you, you do have to describe why kindred spirits or mission controllers are and potentially equally important. Yes. yes. And what and makes what this makes so, so important, important is, 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 is not, not only, only the professional, professional staff side, staff side but, but every, every one, one of us in the, in the business has a board of directors, directors 
and almost almost every one of us is struggling to get that board of directors to be more involved involved in fundraising. fundraising. So it's it's critical that that we we find a way way to make all of our board members members feel valuable, feel that they have something to bring to the table, feel that they can do this. Because I know everyone listening today has board members who say, many board members who say, I can't fundraise. I hate fundraising. I'm not good at it. I can't do it. I've never done it. They come in with a bias against this very important work that you want them involved in. And the asking styles are a way to break down those barriers in a huge way. I've seen it in my training and coaching work with organizations. It finally gives everyone around the table a, a sense that they are at the table and that they can do this. Well, and I want to explore that a little bit because I think that's fascinating in how these asking styles can also help uh, nonprofit organizations understand their own boards of directors. Because I think, again, right. and maybe this is too, too broad of a generalization, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it, again, just as we're, we're interviewing uh, board members, we're probably gravitating towards people who we perceive to be rainmakers and go-getters. Um, because we've maybe been frustrated that board members have not been engaged. So we think, well, those folks will naturally gravitate towards being engaged. And do we lose out by not recognizing that there are other skills and styles that can be successful if we knew how to identify them and how to manage them? Absolutely. 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 So how does all of this affect board members, either the ones that you have or potentially being more open-minded to the types of board members you might be looking for. I'm hoping hoping it's an aha moment moment for everyone in our field, field. especially Especially for the the rainmakers rainmakers and the go-getters. When I was was in a management position, position, being a kindred spirit, I think I had a certain sensitivity towards an appreciation of others who were quieter because I saw them qualities I had, and I didn't feel uh, uh, perhaps at times that I was was being overwhelmed by these rainmakers or go-getters. Sometimes sometimes it can be challenging challenging for us. us. I actually think of of our years together in business when Andrea and and I ran Asking Matters matters together. Now I I I run it myself. myself. But but she was a a true extrovert. Go get it. Very, very extrovert go get And she and taught to think, to think, and I think she taught. And sometimes I'd almost be overwhelmed by her thought process and everything coming at me, and I'd say, I can't respond. You have to teach us to think. And I, so I appreciate other introverts because our rhythm actually works well. So I actually find myself gravitating often to other introverts. And I think others in management management who are introverts probably probably do as well. well. So I guess my message is more for the rainmakers and go-getters on the call today, listening in today, to say pay attention to us. Give us a minute to shine, to come through, and recognize that if we're not talking, we might be analyzing the situation, taking in the information, Figuring out how to be strategic in our answer, and learning and learning about you as you interview us. 
you, you mentioned a moment ago that you're hoping that this was an aha moment uh, for the industry, but I'm wondering, am I, am I overplaying the, the, the topic too much to suggest that this sort of insight may be at the crux of a go-getter board with a kindred spirit exec uh, being at odds or not understanding each mm-hmm. other, or the go-getter exec uh, who has you know, mission controllers on the board uh, and th- they don't seem to get along very well. Um, are, are these inherent problems? They're, 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 only, they're only inherent problems in an organization, organization that doesn't communicate well. We face this in our lives in every way, that we are involved with people who are different from ourselves. We report to people different from ourselves. We have people reporting to us who are different from us. We are in relationships with people who are different in many ways from us. And we have to figure out ways to communicate uh, respect, uh, respect each, each other, other and get along. Get along. So, so I would I hope that's happening that on the board. board. I think the bigger issue on the board is communication, communication in general. general. That can often how, be right, right, how, right. how does that happen if inherently you're speaking mm-hmm. different languages? I mean, is there, is there a way to translate? It, it does make it harder. Is there a way does, to translate? Well, Is there sort of a Rosetta Stone that, that helps these groups work well together? Yeah. Well, I, my, first, my gut when you just asked that was that, that's where these objective reviews are so important. Lots of organizations bypass formal review processes either for their staff or for their board members. And, and I think that's I think a missed that's opportunity, opportunity to clarify, clarify and make sure and you're, on, sure the you're on the same page. page. And when, when that, that situation you're describing exists, exists the, absence the absence of this of critical, critical objective, objective review, review only makes, only it, worse. makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. So, I so think clearly there is stated goals, uh, clearly stated goals, and an open review process is one of the ways that both styles treat each other fairly. Mm-hmm. I think of, when I think of the board process, and I'm a real stickler for board process, so I believe that every year, ideally the chairman of the board and maybe along with the executive director, someone has to sit down one-on-one with every board member to review his or her performance for the year, what was accomplished, what they brought to the table, etc., and then come up with goals for the next year. And it's in that meeting that you realize how impactful the board member is. So the board member who's not praising himself or herself at a board meeting, right? The one who's not saying, oh, I did this, oh, I got in touch with IBM and they're going to do whatever. You find out in the meeting what they did. You get to codify that. And you, and, and you might also for the following year. You might also, just as you were mentioning in your own uh, example, uh, they, you may also learn in that process that they have been feeling overwhelmed. That's right. That's right. They, they also they are less likely, likely to articulate, articulate any challenges they have with the organization, the organization or concerns or they, have they have when they're around, when the, they're board around the board table, table but they might they do might it in the one-on-one. So the one-on-one gives the introvert a better platform to air anything and everything. Right, right. 
Right, because, right. you know, much, you know, much to your much point, as I'm, as I'm thinking I'm now, thinking now a, board a board meeting itself is geared towards the extrovert. Right, right. I rarely make my opinion heard in a large group. It's it's one of the reasons why, and and very few do this because it, it seems overly cumbersome. But when I'm when I'm providing training to a board of directors, I encourage them to become more formal in the structure of their board meetings um, for several different purposes. One is oftentimes votes are never taken, um, and it's sort of you know rule by consensus. You know, all in favor, mm-hmm. and, and right. someone who uh, is more of an introvert, someone who's quieter, uh, may not feel comfortable in that situation to be the lone voice of of reason, perhaps, or of, of opposition. Um, so they just kind of got steamrolled because they're not comfortable raising their hand. Um, but also legally, very you good, never good. have a set of minutes that ever suggests that the board of directors ever made an actual decision uh, can be a real problem. But even in discussions, and again, for most organizations, uh, it just seems overly complex and overly bureaucratic. But when a discussion is um, is undertaken, to try to be organized in having a discussion of someone who is for the motion and then ask that someone, the next person speak, uh, speaks in opposition if there is an opposition, so that you're almost giving permission to introverts to say, now's your opportunity without making a nuisance of yourself. That's great. That's, great. That's, that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, point to make. Yeah. I, I, do we I'll lose your board people. members say afterwards, oh, I didn't want to say anything. Oh, I didn't want to say anything. Right. And, and, so, so, oh, I asking, wish you had. Right. Do we lose these people? Because in, in our desire either for consensus or, or our gravitation towards go-getters and rainmakers, um, do we lose people who have other skill sets and feel frustrated or overwhelmed in a process that's really not built for them? Absolutely. 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 I think this is, this is group dynamics group at its core. core. Yeah. So how do we I, how do we overcome that? Is it is is more structure as I outlined? Is that is that mm-hmm. just one of several tools? Is that one of the best tools? Um, what well, have I, you come up with in terms of ways to make sure even even in a staff situation, if you you know if you have uh, hired a bunch of go getters, but you find that you have a kindred spirit, um, does that person just always get marginalized and and sort of homogenized? Mm-hmm. Or well, by or, bad managers, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> and there are a lot of, a lot of bad managers bad out manager there, for sure. sure. It's not easy not managing easy people. people. I'm not, I have to say that that's not my expertise. expertise. Oh, I've worked so in organizations my whole life. For, for me, it's really, really more about, about the, the ass, the, right? the okay. dying introvert person. So I don't want to overstep my expertise here. Right, so to the ask, is it also, though, the same principle? Is it organizing the ask is, as you sort of started off um, you know, our time mm-hmm. together by saying kindred spirits are naturally inclined to be better um, with individuals, to be better in one-on-one situations rather than group situations. Is that right. just a, 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 another example of organizing and structuring around best, best uh, use of style? Yes, yes, that's a very good very point. Good and one of the things I'm starting to explore in more depth now, now is how your asking style affects what type of organization you go to, what type of position you might take, right? Mm-hmm. 
what, 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 what you do best, what you, do best, what, what you can do best for an organization. Well, so, I can tell you, absolutely. even here at CAF America, as we, you know, we've, we've hired you know, several people and, and really redesigned the entire staff here, and we do really think about you know, equal candidates who may have different skill sets or, or similar skill sets. We do think in terms of would that person likely succeed with the dynamics that we have in this office mm-hmm. rather than um, bringing someone in to a situation where we might perceive that they would be uncomfortable. Right, and right. I think and to, I a think to a certain extent, extent that's, that's helpful, helpful, but you but can you become can a bit homogenous that way. You, you can, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You have to be, and you have, you have to, to be careful. Well. You have to be careful not to overstate yeah. that. Well, we have, uh, we have uh, about five minutes um, left here on the show, so what I wanted to ask you to do is sort of summarize uh, the points because you, you've brought up a topic here today that I don't think most people focus on and, and sort of all the permutations of that in terms of you know, management style, board of directors, asking for gifts, all of the, this, the central aspects seem to come back to we're not all the same. We bring a lot of different skill sets, uh, and by recognizing that, organizations can get better by bringing multiple skill sets rather than put, pinning all their hopes on one or two different skill sets that may naturally get more attention but are not necessarily um, you know, twice as good or three times as good or, or likely um, to um, uh, be better without um, sort of that, that counterbalance. So um, summarize all that and then make sure that uh, my listeners know how they can reach you. Sure. sure. Well, well there, there, there's the management point of view and then there's that actual asking point of view. And I think from the management point of view, we need to realize that the prototypical fundraiser can be a good fundraiser for sure, but is not the only type who can fundraise well. That everyone brings their own set of skills to the table. No one has every skill. If you're going to write a list of the top 20 skills, no one has them all. And we all need to play our strengths, and we need to realize that everyone has those strengths. As an asker, asker, we need to embrace embrace that that for sure, sure. and we need to understand understand where our challenges challenges are and how to to compensate for those, how to play our strengths and deal with with our challenges. And that can mean how we partner with others, where we find ourselves working, what roles we take in an organization, and maybe what role we take in an ask itself. And we didn't have time to talk about pairing today, but it's probably self-evident that if you pair with someone who's a little different from yourself, you can make a great pair. As long as you plan for it, right? I mean, you don't want to throw somebody into a pairing without forethought. Absolutely, Absolutely. and and And, the styles styles give you a roadmap roadmap to figure out who you you might might care best with and and what you bring to the table. table. I'm actually actually headed out to a solicitation solicitation in an hour and a half half with a go-getter. Now, it would be ideal maybe if it were a rainmaker rainmaker because neither one of us is the analytic, but I'm happy I'm going with the extrovert, and we partner often together, and we've got our roles down pat, and... It's, it's really it's delightful, delightful to, to solicit with him. So that's a good example of pairing, to be Absolutely. conscious. Uh, but, but both parties have to be conscious of their own style and how that's they can right. complement each other. Right. right. 
He, he, he knows he, he knows can, he go, can long, go long, and, and I kick him I under the table, and he knows that means to move on. So so how to contact me? The best is to go to the website, www.askingmatters.com. And the first and the thing first everyone thing should do is take the asking styles assessment. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, we have, minutes, we have a link in the radio links today at yeah, headheart.com. So yeah. everybody who's over there for the page one links today can go ahead and click straight through to your website. And then, and as a matter of fact, for the first time ever next month, I am doing webinars on the individual styles. I've never done it's never done been done before at Asking Matters. So I'm offering webinars to mission controllers, to go getters, to kindred spirits. And um, and go getters, go getters, mission controls, kindred spirits, and rainmakers, two of each. And so people may want to participate in those. And otherwise, you can surf the site, and there's lots of good material for everyone there. And there'll be information about the webinars on your website. Yes, absolutely. Terrific. Well, Brian uh, Saber, thank you so much for bringing such an important topic uh, to us today. Uh, you serve as president of Asking Matters, and I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to give my listeners today an opportunity to learn more about the asking styles, and in particular, uh, beginning, hopefully, to appreciate the value of those who may be more introverted. Well, thank well, you, Ted. Thanks for having me on the show today. And everyone, don't forget to join us uh, next week here on The Nonprofit Coach. We'll be back next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern. You've been listening to The Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to The Nonprofit Coach.